Let's grab the low-hanging fruit of bus rapid transit on East Portland Arterials without necessarily having to wait for a federal grant that's 10 years away. Like the 73 bus on 122nd, it's constantly full all day. It's proven its success. I think Halsey's got that criteria. I think 122nd has that criteria. Stark definitely has that criteria. Because of the lack of political representation, there hasn't been any urgency or accountability in East Portland. So that's something I'm excited to see. Welcome to the Bike Portland podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Maas. In this episode, you'll hear an interview I did with Portland City Council candidate Tamor Ender. Tamor is running for East Portland District, that's District 1. In this interview we did on a 12-mile bike ride on Tuesday, Tamor invited me out to show me his stomping grounds, where he lives, where he rides, and where he implemented some of the projects he worked on at his former position as a capital projects manager for the Portland Bureau of Transportation. Now, I want to rewind a bit because I think Timur is a really interesting city council candidate. He's someone who understands transportation at a level that is beyond probably any other candidate in the very, very large field. I first met Timur when he showed up to one of our Wonk Night events back in 2013. We used to sublet some space from a transportation consulting firm downtown, and the Wonk Nights would bring together sort of like bike happy hour, but a little more technically minded and a little more hands-on in terms of tackling specific issues. Anyway, there was Tim Moore, showed up with a notebook, eager to learn, and that's where I first met him and then watched his career move from there to uh, City Hall, actually. After he graduated uh, Lewis and Clark, he got a job at former Commissioner Steve Novick's office as a transportation policy advisor. Timur also uh, was a key volunteer with Better Block, which is a nonprofit tactical urbanism group that actually created the idea for what is now Better NATO. So Timur is somebody who was absolutely instrumental in spearheading the Better NATO project and then helped shepherd it from a volunteer with an activist group to using his position at City Hall and then ultimately at the Portland Bureau of Transportation to actually see it become a reality. And one of the things he worked on was East Portland in Motion, which was a community-wide planning process that helped PBOT prioritize dozens and dozens of projects in East Portland. And he was able to do a lot of outreach and actually get projects on the ground in the district he's running in now. So I can't think of a better person to take me on a tour of East Portland than Timur. What you'll hear in this interview is him pointing out various projects he worked on with Peabot, sharing his insights about what it will take to get East Portland to the next level when it comes to bicycle transportation and, and other forms of transportation. Timur also shares his vision for East Portland more broadly, how he feels that housing and social services and increasing the minimum wage and reducing people's living expenses are all part of how we can uplift East Portland and make it an even greater part of our city and how he can do that once he's on city council. So a uh, quick note about the episode. We were riding when we were recording this for about probably 90% of it. We're actually pedaling around. So uh, you'll hear noise from cars going by us and other things. I know it's odd to take a bicycle tour uh, in just an audio format, but I do have a photo gallery that's up on Bike Portland that you can see. But you'll notice as we go along in the interview, I, either myself or Timur, will be calling out what streets we're on. So if you have a somewhat of a working knowledge of streets in East Portland or Portland in general, you should have a sense of where we are. So on our loop, we started at uh, Northeast Gleason and 102nd, right there at Heavenly Donuts. And we went east from there and ended up 
as far out as Southeast Powell and 162nd, we rolled on neighborhood greenways, major arterials. We saw everything from standard door zone bike lanes, uh, some really terrible stuff. We saw some great stuff as well. We rode on division and saw some of the new protected bike lanes there. I got a chance to sample some of the neighborhood greenways that Peabot has been working on out there, just a real gamut of things. So let's get right to it. Here's my interview with Portland City Council candidate, Timur Ender. Why did you invite me out here? A few reasons. One is I thought it would be good for you to see East Portland in terms of like the street level, looking at the ground level. Also wanted some of your readers to understand more about me and my candidacy and what I've been up to. And really just look at the sights and sounds and get a sense of upcoming infrastructure projects and some of the stuff myself and others have worked on in the area. Tell me where we are right now in relation to your sort of sphere of life. I'm near 122nd and Stark, so that's where I live. I've been there since 2018. And then right now we're at the intersection of 102nd and Gleason. And this was one of the projects I managed when I was in the city is this redesign on Gleason, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But one cool thing I wanted to highlight is, you know the concept of super blocks. It's the idea that there's these large blocks that are safe for kids to be able to walk and bike within that area. Yeah. From Barcelona. Lower stress. Yes. It's like a neighborhood greenway, but a square. Yes, exactly. And so this, one of the things I want to highlight about this area is this is actually has the bones of that. And so start here, 102nd is the Western boundary. Stark is the Southern, Gleason's the Northern, and then 122nd. And so you had this like pretty significant stretch right here. And the reason that's possible is because the max line operates like a one way each direction because it got the track in the middle. Yeah, and it also acts as like a barrier to some degree, yeah. like a natural yeah. boundary. Yeah. What's your top level view on like the pressing transportation issues in East Portland? Options. So we are in a suburban style land use. Okay. And I, one of the challenges I see is you don't have those multimodal options. So for example, Bike Town doesn't go to the edge of the city. The number of bike town bikes is not where it should be. The nearest car share for me is, I, is a two mile walk and I live car free in East Portland. And I think the, the price point for scooters to me is still maybe higher than it should be. And then transit, like this bus line comes once every 70 minutes on Gleason. And so I feel like the transit frequency and reliability is not where it should be. And given the proximity to Gateway Transit Center, you'd, you'd hope it'd be more. And one of the great things about Division Transit is it fixed bikes like this, having those like more Oh, space. the FX2, yeah, the way yeah, it boards, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so my vision would be, you know, having that on Halsey, having that on 122nd, having that on Stark, right? Right. I mean, the 20 is like huge in terms of equity and where that the bus number 20 goes to, and it gets virtually no attention from the city mm. in terms of like, investment in that bus line. Okay, so lack of options, which as folks know, means that higher yeah. rates of car use, and when you are walking or doing something else, it's not quite as pleasant as some of the inner neighborhoods, right? So, okay, go back to, well, go ahead. What you were saying about thinking of maybe one of the remedies for East Portland's woes is to create some kind of super block or large 
squares that are bordered by some of the bigger streets that within yeah. them are gonna be safer. That's one option. Another option is I don't think we've really had, we don't have the bike lane network we need yet. Mm. And so like Peabot has a striping plan that connects this to the I-205 path. Oh, right. Yeah. I should remind people that Tamor worked for the Portland Bureau of Transportation for several years and in the transportation planning department and worked on a lot of the projects I'm assuming we're gonna see today. Uh, yeah. Bike lane planning, stuff like that. So just for the context. So you're saying that on, on Gleason, there was a plan to stripe it all the way to, yeah. Yeah. to the I-205 path. To the I-205 path. Yeah. yeah, okay. Boy, there and, other, and it's, you know, just looking at 102nd here, this is technically like a buffered bike lane on the city stats, but boy, this is yeah. not a very welcoming bike lane to be on. Yeah. Should we start riding? Sure, sounds cool. good. This is a pretty busy intersection. It is, yeah. There's a second in Gleason. There's a lot okay. going on, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, 102nd is a really important street. It's basically the first street east of 205, the first major north-south. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so this is the first thing I want to show you. One of these cameras has a, one of these houses has a camera. Okay. And so they, like, once a month, they send us a crash, a video of a crash here. And so... When you say us, you mean when you Peabot. worked at Peabot, right? Yeah. And so what would happen is people would, like, way back there start merging in here for this like 100 second light does that make sense like where that car is now they would like get in the center turn lane oh right way yeah. back way back way back right. and so then we did this with our our federally funded hundreds bikeway project which that's what fixed gleason the hundreds bikeway is part of the restripe for gleason okay yeah you're saying people were merging. People were merging too early, soon. Too so soon. Looks like Peabot went out and put some of these plastic yes. curbs and wands, right? Yes, right in front of Urco here. Okay. And then you'd have these people merging left to turn in. And so I don't even know what these are called. I mean, it's like tough curves or something? Yeah. Or oh, like, you mean that? Yeah, actual, the treatment, the actual treatment. Yeah. Center lane hardening or something. That's true. That's yeah. a, kind of a nifty thing. I don't yeah. know what it's called, though. There's not a lot of these, but anyway, this has been, in my opinion, super successful in terms of like reducing those kind of crashes. And then Peabot had tried something like that on 122nd, but I don't think they got much life. Like they just kind of got beat up. Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. right? These look to be, I don't know, 30% of them damaged, but other yeah. than that, it looks pretty good. Of course, we don't know how, how many times Peabot's had to come out and fix yeah. it, you know, so. And this still looks like the original. Okay. And looks then, like they just restriped this too. Yeah. And so this is gonna have, this is one of our lighting priority streets. Well, this is one of the, the streets they prioritized okay. for a lot of the investment for street, street lighting. lighting. Yeah. And that was something that was pretty recent, right? That came up as a, like a, like a real priority in, yeah. in, South, in, uh, in East Portland. Was... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 122nd, Halsey, Gleason, and 82nd got some of those lighting treatments. Nice. Yeah. So um, we're going to head down here for a bit. Yeah, let's head down Gleason, on Gleason, and then I'll show you one of the other things I think makes a difference for walking and biking are these kind of like the hidden shortcuts. All right, we are heading heading east on Gleason here. Tomorrow you have small kids, right? Would you ride with them on this on this uh, street or do you I, have routes that you take? I, I would, but I mean, I'd prefer it if it was hardened with some of the concrete, which we can take a look at at 136. I'm gonna press the button because we can cross here, okay. go to the other side. But I kind of, I also do the side streets, like if I don't need to. It's a matter of directness. Some of the side streets aren't as, they don't go through all the way. There's a lot of dead ends in East Portland. So I think, I think it depends. Like if they're on my bike, then no problem. But like if they're riding their own bike, then no. 
Well, describe your bike. What are you riding today? So this is a, a Venton Abound. I got an outer rim bike shop at 106th and Halsey, which is, I think, the only bike shop in East Portland. Yeah, it is the only. It is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the city limits go to what, 170 or so? Yeah, 174, yeah, yeah. It is quite a bike shop. And desert. so I was looking at turns. Yeah. And, you know, those are like 6,000. Ah, yeah. And I really wanted it, but I didn't have the money. Yeah. And, uh, and so I coincidentally just walked into Outer Rim and I saw this at a, a fraction of the price. And so then I was like, done. This is what allows me to live car free. So far, so good. Even in the campaign, huh? Even in the campaign, yeah, been yeah. Around. It's been a lot of, which is why that FX2 line is so critical because I can, I can fit the e-bike on there. Right, so we're yeah. on the we're hop, on the hop. Yep. the hop greenway, which is what, Halsey, Oregon and Pacific? Holiday. Holiday, Holiday Oregon, Oregon and Pacific, Pacific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the hop. It's one of the very few that has a cute name. I, I'm all for making fun names for greenway. Uh -huh. So this one's fun, hop on the hop, you know? Yep. We're at like Northeast Oregon and 111th right now. Yep, Nice yep. calm street. Note, this is pretty typical East Portland profile, huh? Where you've got this sort of low traffic volume street and then no no sidewalks at all, no curbs. Correct. Goes yeah. right into grass. Yeah. And so if folks were walking, they'd be sharing these lanes with us. Yep, yep, yep. I should say typical for the, the internal streets, of course. Ah, oh, look at this. This is new. Yeah. So this. Oh, cool. So what I, like in terms of like, I'm always thinking about like what moves the needle in terms of bike ridership. One thing is these shortcuts. So tell me, what's this little thing all about? How did this come about? So one of the things I was responsible for was you know, the Fixing Our Streets program had like $8 million for Safe Routes to School. Okay. And so we divided that money up. And one of the projects that came out of that was this traffic signal at 113th and Gleason. Okay. And it made sense because there's no, there's no crossing nearby. Okay, so at yeah. 113th, you're 113th saying- 113th and Gleason. And, and the idea was for kids that live north of Gleason to be able to be able to access Floyd Light Middle School and Ventura Park Elementary School. And so this was kind of like the pinch point in the primary safe route to school route. This is amazing. Yeah. So what was this land? This was just a this was private business owners kind of just side side land? Well, or what it was, was public right-of-way. Public right-of-way? Yeah, public right-of-way, but it was just like, kind of like what you see here. It was just oh, like that. Yeah, yeah, it was just gravel. Not an alley really, but just a freeway yeah. that was just gravel. Yeah, and the city had shut it down because this building extended into the street. And so they just, they they closed it. And so I was working on this project and I was like, okay, this is great. We had this signal here, but there's, there's no way, there's nothing north of it or south of it. Right. And so I said, let's try to fix these curb ramps to the south, which we'll go there in a minute. And so you, all the curb ramps are new. And then this was the part from the north that if someone's in a mobility device or if they're biking, at least they have a paved surface to use. Yeah. And so... This has been in the works for a number of years and it's finally getting constructed. And so this will be the final piece of a major Safe Routes School investment. And where is the school in relation to where so we are now? So the school is, you can see Burnside, like where the cars are going. Okay. That's Burnside. And then the, the Ventura Park Elementary is like left of that. Mm -hmm. And then for Floyd Light, you go down to Stark and it's to the right. Right, after okay. After you get to Stark, yeah. All right. So, so this is a good example of where opportunism and understanding the yeah. sort of lay of the land yeah, and being yeah, like, yeah, here's, yeah, a, yeah. here's a place we can do this. Yeah. All right, describe for me how we're gonna cross Gleason here. <laughs> or are we? There's no crossing treatment at all. 
It's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess without the light. When is this light going to be in? Hard to say. Probably, yeah. I mean, they're working on it now, so maybe another few months. I'm noticing curb extensions. Yep. Which yep. go with the light. Yep. Better, better curb ramps. Here on Gleason, there's much, oh yeah, it's got these parking protected bike lanes, or yep. more, a larger buffer at least. All right, I'm rolling. Okay, headed south on 113th near Northeast Everett. Got some speed bumps. So is this is this the 100s neighborhood greenway? Or, uh, or the this is like or? 113th neighborhood greenway. It is a future planned one. Coming um, up to Burnside coming here. Coming up Burnside, yeah. These buffers were my idea as well. I'm proud of these buffers. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, let's, let's just paint another line. Tamora's buffers. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, enjoy them. That's getting something too, because there's not a lot of extra space here with the max. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit of gravel. So this is another intersection where there's a lot going on. So this is the Ed Blackburn building and it's operated by Central City Concern. And it was one of the healthcare, in, in, like Kaiser Permanente and a lot of them, it was the first time they'd really funded housing. Oh, interesting. Because they okay. realized like the importance of housing in terms of health outcomes. Okay. And so I would love to go up to the top and like look out one day because I bet you could see like all of East Portland because it's so low. You're right. The heights are so low here that you could just like, you probably be able to see a lot. Everything you see there with that housing unit oh, used wow. to just be the extension of this parking ride. So that used to be like a- Just a larger parking lot? Yeah, it was the extension of this parking, the parking ride, which just shows you in the 60s when they built this, how much parking they thought they needed. Yeah, right. And now they have this Menlo Park Safe Rest Village. And like, there's no cars. Cause yeah, it's like, still. there's just, there's no need. And then in terms of Rose Lanes, there is a concept that has, I think basically just shifts the striping to the, actually I think it keeps the current striping, but basically- On 122nd? 122nd, yeah, yeah, from at least to Gleason and then going south. Right. In terms of speeding up transit. Um, because the 122nd line gets is fairly high in terms of ridership. All right, so now I'm going to show you this Safer House of School corridor. Okay. On 117th, and this connects two elementary schools. So Ventura Park's right over here, which I showed you earlier. How's that pump track? Does it get used? Yeah, it gets used by people with the RC cars a lot. <laughs> so funny. It's so wild. They they jump from literally one end of the thing <laughs> to the other. Well, someone's using it. Yeah. But th there's some bikes on there too. It's cool. All right, I'm gonna take it. This is where you gotta take the initiative when you yeah. see a flashing red signal <laughs> yeah. out here on these streets. Yeah. Nobody's gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. You yeah. gotta take it. So what is this we're on so here? So this is a, uh, 117th and okay. so, I don't know, I'll show you my, I'll share my personal vision for this street, which is, you know, in Coley, the 60th, bike path the 60th walkway thing yeah i feel like we just need some sort of interim treatment given that this connects to elementary schools yeah there's definitely room for some kind of yeah. protected walkway situation here yeah. and everybody's got their off-street spots or their driveways for the for, for parking yeah. but yeah if a car came up behind us we'd be hoping they're nice i guess One seventeenth and and Southeast Salmon. Yeah, I mean it's there's so few through streets through these big blocks, right? For that sure. You get one like yeah. this, it's 
Now, why would they? Why did they already put speed bumps just for speeds? I mean, I can imagine speeds are super yeah. high, but they don't expect. I mean, this there's to nothing be a, slow anyone down. But this isn't necessarily a bike street yet, is it? No, I don't think this is necessarily a bike street. No. How is it with just relations with drivers out here in your experience? I don't know. I haven't really had any major issues. I yeah. mean, you know, the infrastructure may not be there, but people are nice. But you shouldn't have to bank on people's niceness. Oh, look at that. Parking protected. Oh, bike parking lanes. protected. Yeah. You want to check it out? Southeast Market. Yeah, I haven't seen those. Let me get All a right, quick let's picture. check them out. Nice. Wow, that's interesting. That really changed market a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's common. Is this a little secret here? Yeah, we're gonna head down to Mill Park. Nice, another little yeah. cut through. Yeah. It's good to know those. I didn't see any uh, wayfinding though, so you gotta really yeah, you can know it. What's happening here? So this is part of the Mill Park upgrade. The neatest thing, in my opinion, about this is that it's gonna bleed into 122nd. So they acquired one of the properties there. Because previous to that, you had to like, cut through some apartment buildings, but now there's gonna be this direct access to 122nd. So you can basically get off the bus and go straight That's um, nice. to the park and the school and stuff. Yeah, where are we headed? I was gonna show you the Mill Main Bikeway. 3M? The 4M, yeah. 4M? <laughs> yeah. Four, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then we can check out 136. Another tricky crossing. Okay, I love this intersection. I'm stopping. 120, where are you at? One, Southeast 122nd and Mill? Yeah, you can call it Market. Okay. Because yeah, that's the next one. Because yeah. this is one of the best Ethiopian spots on the left. Really? Okay. Yeah. Ooh, yes. And then on the right is where we had our community investment trust dinner. And this is a really nice bodega, the El Grande meat market. Nice. Okay. And then my favorite food cart is uh, La Osita, which is across from the fire station in the Plaza 122. And so that. Plaza 122 is the community investment trust, which means it's owned by the community. Oh, neat. And so it has like a bunch of immigrant owned mi micro businesses. I notice when I see people biking, it's yeah. often on the sidewalk. Yep. And this, and 122nd here just has standard bike lanes, no yeah, protection. Yeah, I know, it seems a little out of date. On street parking, yeah, yeah. really. Yeah, that's 122nd, it's just, yeah. it's reputation precedes it. Do you ride on it much? Or uh, mostly just I, crossing I try it? To, I try to stay on 117th or some of the back streets. I guess the short answer is no. How have you found some of your transportation ideas and visions working out on the campaign trail? Are you working those into when you're talking to folks? Have you found ways of, of talking about transportation that you feel is productive and getting yeah, good responses yeah, from people? Yeah, I think, you know, people love Safe House to School. Okay. They, people love the idea of multimodal options. And, you know, one of the things on 136, when Bike infrastructure is paired with as part of a larger streetscape. People love that. I mean, we took away parking on both sides of the street for two miles. Yeah, yeah. And crickets, no one said anything. Why? Because? I attribute that to, you know, we're telling a story of the streetscape improvements. It's not only bike lanes. It's part of a, a two-mile corridor of street trees and other things like that. And so I think that when you when it is part of some of those things, I think it goes a long way. And then obviously the the redesign of Powell really helps because now your bike lanes connect to something else, to other high quality bike lanes. And now, especially if you're starting from we don't even have a sidewalk, yeah. to now we can walk your bike to the grocery store at 122nd and Powell. I mean, that's like night and day. And so 
And I bet if we went down to Powell now, which we'll go by there, but like especially Powell on 122nd, it'd be pretty crowded in terms of walking and biking. And so we can ride down to the 4M bikeway, but I think, I think you'll see it also gets a lot of traffic. The 4M? The 4M does, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 4M, Market, Mill, Main. And Mill, Main. Mill, Main. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't my idea. Should I share a little bit about how I got started biking? Oh, yeah. You know, I grew up in North Carolina, and okay. then on Sunday mornings, my mom would drive us to the trail, and me and my two younger brothers would we'd bike on the trail while she would run. And so from an early age, hanging to right, I, my mapping of the city was by biking um, and how I like spatial awareness and related to everything. Okay, yeah. And I, you know, I, my generation, I was one of the people who got their license as soon as I turned 16, particularly living in a, a, a car oriented city. And, uh, but then high school was the last time I drove because then I moved to college and yeah. you didn't really need a car. And my high school was. Where were um, you? Where'd you go to college again? NC State, North Carolina State. Okay. NC State. And my 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 college was closer to my the house I grew up in than my high school was. So, I literally moved into my college dorm using public transit. And yeah, after that, I've been car free my whole life. How did you end up in Portland? I wanted to move to Portland because I wanted to live in a city where having a car was optional. And when did you, when was that? 2013. Okay. Yeah. And so I knew I wanted to go to law school. And so I picked the city first mm. and then picked the law school. And Lewis and Clark was, is the only kind of law school. I didn't get in when I first applied. And so I spent a year in San Diego and then transferred up here after that. Why was living in a city where being car free is an option, like so important to you? Um, quality of life. So you'd experienced it enough to know that yeah. That's how you wanted to live. And I, you know, the question is, where did I experience it? I think I would say Turkey, because I spent a lot of summers in mm. Turkey with family. And their cities are built around horses. And so uh, very tight land use. Yeah. And, and transit's competitive. And, you know, my memories of Turkey would be walking and biking, going to the beach. And there was just a lot of freedom with that. And so that's what... Kind of, I guess intrinsically at an early age, I just knew I wanted to, to have that freedom. And I think a lot of people would like that freedom, but we haven't provided those options to people. Do you meet people when you're campaigning mm -hmm. or otherwise out here in East Portland that don't have a car either by choice or not and are just trying to survive car free? I think if people could live car free, people would. I just think it's really hard because you know, the distances people have to go to, whether it's dropping off kids for school or yeah. doctor's appointments, like these things aren't near each other. I think you need a car a lot of times. Southeast Mill 138, okay. Yeah, so what's interesting about this is there's probably like seven daycares within a quarter mile of this intersection. Wow. And you wouldn't even know it. <laughs> so 139th and Mill, yeah. seven daycares. Yeah, like this This is one right here in this church. Okay. There's two or three down this street. Okay. We had our kids, we'll go right. We had our kids in one on 142nd. I mean, this <laughs> it's like an aircraft runway. I mean, look at how wide it is. And there's, yeah, and this there's is just a regular street, and residents on both sides, single family homes. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. This thing is like 40, 50 feet I wide. I know, I know. 
Um, Interesting. What is this? One thirty eight. I guess. Yeah, one thirty nine. Wow, this yeah. is wide. Yeah, because this goes from start to Gleason. I'm surprised there's no speed bumps. I know. Yeah. This this could probably and be I think a race. Part way. of it is, you know, it's not on the city safe routes to school network or anything, because it's they're just daycares. Right. But there's quite a few of them around here. So you got to Portland, and it turned out I mean, you've haven't had a car since you've been here in the last 10, 12 years? That's correct. Haven't had a car since I've been here. Yeah, yeah. Right. And did you always live in East Portland? Nope. Lived all over. So when I was at Lewis and Clark, I lived right close to the campus. Okay. And then lived the kind of inner Hawthorne life and rented and then saved up to buy a house. And then so moved, moved to East Portland in 2018. And that was a conscious decision because I wanted our kids to grow up in a environment where there's a lot of diversity. Yeah, so much so you did a big family trip, right, to Turkey to yep, really yep. get them to understand the language yep. and their culture. And, and that worked. That's probably my proudest accomplishment is that my kids think in Turkish and that's their mm. default. And um, you spent, what, six months there? A year? Uh, there? A year. All right, hanging right. Okay, Division and 139th. How have you liked Division since the changes? Um, I like it. I like it. You know, I do understand people's frustration, though, that maybe there, could there be a little bit more turn pockets? You're talking yeah. the center turn median? Yeah, is... I'm, you know, I'm sensitive to that. I, yeah. I, I understand that feedback. How do you primarily, you're speaking primarily in terms of the fact that because the, the turn median, the center median yeah. doesn't have a lot of openings that yeah. people have to go several blocks out of their way to get into certain yeah. businesses and stuff? Yeah. All right, I'm gonna hit the crosswalk button. But I do think the protected intersections have worked out nice because like at 122nd and Division, when we're changing buses, you have your dedicated walk signal. It's really nice. Walk Phase only separation. and then the cars aren't turning. Uh-huh. Yeah, like yeah. the no turn on red. When you're changing buses with the stroller and two kids, it makes a world of difference. Just that certainty. Yeah, just that certainty that when you have a walk sign, literally no one else is moving. Yeah, that's big. That's big, yeah. All right, so we'll be headed south on 136th. Yep. Curb protected bike lane on southeast 136th between, what, Division and Foster? Nope, or Division and Powell. Powell, I mean. Okay, tomorrow, what are we doing now? It's like up to you, I was interested in going back north. We can ride on Powell, or I can show you a new segment we did going out to that rapid flashing beacon and going left. And so there's a new bikeway connection we did. Let's go check that out. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Really dirty bike lanes on 136. This is terrible. Man, these bike lanes are so dirty. I know. These are easy to sweep too. There's no curb. Yeah. Okay, so what you saw back there, that was the existing. This is the, the, new, the new part. And so when I was working on the 136 project, I saw this opportunity to connect it to the bottom of the 150s Greenway. And now we're on Southeast Center? Yeah, we're on Southeast Center, yeah. Okay. And so this basically just goes straight through and it connects straight to the 150s Greenway. Okay. And it just gave us kind of like that low-hanging fruit that like all it needed was sharrows and a, and a few signs to make it part of the network. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's the easternmost Greenway, 150s? I think so, that sounds right. Yeah. 162nd is just got some changes made to it, but that's not a Greenway. I feel like we're near where there was a really sad fatal. I think it was right here. Yeah, the guy was 
It was a kid on a yeah. bike. Yeah, this is it right here. This is it right here? The guy came out of this, huh. this driveway. Why don't you tell us why you're running? Yeah, more? for me, it's all about health. Okay. And so my dad was a doctor and I would see patients come into his office and I often made a connection to the city and the built environment in terms of whether it was broken bones from unsafe streets or things like asthma. Mm. And a lot of cities, you can see these disparities in health outcomes. And so East Portland has about 10 years lower life expectancy than the rest of Portland. And that's due to traffic crashes, gun violence, and in my mind, historic underinvestment. Mm. And so the last 150 years, there's only been two city commissioners who have lived east of 82nd Avenue. And so for a long time, we've had people who don't walk or bike or drive on these streets, who don't send their kids to our schools, and really have had no stake in East Portland's future making decisions about East Portland. I didn't really see myself running for office, but with this kind of change in charter, you know, I was lucky to have people I trust push me to do it. And then I really couldn't think of a reason why not. I have this kind of deep commitment to public service and I loved working in city government. I loved kind of being that bridge between East Portland in motion and delivering projects at PBOT. And then I thought about it and I was like, in some ways it's just an evolution of my service to the city and, and to people. So then I was like on the fence about it. You know, I don't want to take up space, you know, cause you have like, that's, and that's true in a lot of like this immigrant mindset of don't make waves. And so then I was talking to someone who is now my campaign manager about my insecurities about running for office. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I should do it. And, and she was like, yo, just by running for office, you're serving your community because you're, you're putting yourself out there. You're charting a vision, a course for where you want to take it. And so then I was like, okay, just by running, I'm already serving my community. And it's been a huge growth process, but, and so some days I'm scared and I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> but it's kind of like, you know, running for office is the way to describe it is like, you're doing a trust fall into your community. And I've just been super fortunate that I'm only one of three candidates that have gotten to 250 Portland donors in East Portland. And so a lot of the people I speak to, they're, they're like, yeah, We've seen your commitment to East Portland when you've worked at city government and in terms of delivering projects that fulfill the intent and spirit of East Portland in motion and things like that. And so that really means a lot because to me, that's why I'm doing it. I mean, ultimately, this is this is an act of public service. I mean, I'm definitely not doing this for my health or I mean, it takes a lot of time away from family and things like that. And so I hope I win because I like I said, it, it does take a lot. But. I also see it as I'm already successful in the sense that just running for office is an act of service. Right now, we are coming up on 150's bikeway. Okay. It must feel really good to have worked on East Portland in motion yeah. and then be able to run in this district. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's absolutely. a really great primer for hey, issues, yeah. especially in built environments. Yeah, stuff, totally, totally. Perfectly aligned, I think. Yeah, because I mean, you're bending the city bureaucracy toward East Portland. And so, right. you, whether it's finding money or yeah, even small creative solutions like this, where it connects mm -hmm. one thing to another. And, you know, transportation is such a big piece of what city government does. Okay, here we are. Southeast 154th and Powell. All right. I'm cutting across. Okay. Love those flashing beacons. So what, this is a 150s Greenway? Yep, it's on 157th right now. Have you thought about how you might approach transportation and the new system and how that's different than counselors can do it now or how it was different when you were at Peabody? Yeah. I thought about it. <laughs> I think we need to get away from this current approach of getting funding through driving and parking. Because right now, you have people inside city government saying, oh, our budgets are low, we need to encourage people to drive. And... Wait, you do? Yeah, you do, yeah. <laughs> is that what's behind some that's, of these things? Yes, it is, it is. Which, you know, you can't blame people if that's the system they're in, you know? It's like they're, they're trying to advocate for their own budgets and stuff. Well, we all, I think everybody would agree with you on that. It's yeah. A, it's a question of like, you know, how exactly are we gonna do how that? How exactly are we gonna get there, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got the plans, right? I wonder how, with the new council system, mm -hmm. if there will be some kind of transportation caucus or, yeah. you know, a group of folks that is pretty progressive on this stuff that's willing to look at some pretty big changes and- For sure, for you sure. Know, pick up the, the pricing options and equitable mobility exactly. package and say, yeah. how are we gonna make this actual city yeah. law? And yeah. maybe start working and really on like, pieces of And really like also have people looking at it, not just from an equity lens, not just from a multimodal lens, but also from like an East Portland lens mm. of, I would say a lot of people in my district really feel overtaxed and underserved okay. uh, because of like measure five and 50 of how like property taxes work. Right. Where, you know, people are paying way more and, and feel like we're not getting this, the same amount of city services as inner Portland. Is that a pretty strong theme you hear when you're out and about? Yeah. Even a with little. all the new investments that's happened out here? Yeah. Yeah. I A little bit. Yeah, I would say that. It. Do you want to check out 162nd? Uh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. I haven't really seen that. Seen what? The protected thing. Oh, protected intersection? Yeah. Oh, what'd you think? Great. I mean, yeah. just pretty straightforward. Yeah. The signalization is mind-numbing. Yeah. Like, look at all those head signal heads. That's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's like Peter Kuntz's I know, his dream. dream and nightmare. I know. This is potentially a blueprint for what 122nd may look like south of Powell. So the segment between Foster and Powell, that's roughly a mile mile long. And describe, can you describe like what we have here on so one? This, I, this is a buffered bike lane treatment. I don't know if they've made a decision on 122nd south of Powell, whether that's gonna be buffered or, park, or parking protected. Do you know why like in this spot they wouldn't just put more curbing or is that not um, done yet? There's a lot of driveways. Driveways, yeah. yeah. I feel like that just changes the street so much. It does, yeah. What's the closest commercial hub to right here? Probably 162nd and start up yeah. here. Yeah. This um, is wild how they 
Yeah. They bump in and out the bike lane yeah. for like three or four parked cars. I wasn't really involved in this project, but it seems like just the density of driveways really makes a difference. And so that's probably why they didn't do parking protected. Ideally, you'd see the, the driving lanes curving instead of the bike lanes curving. Yeah, this is really interesting how, how the expanse and how, how much they're relying on paint and yeah. this whole back and forth. Yeah. It's super interesting. I wonder why they just, they just didn't want to make the fight with the parking or they felt like there's, those people had nowhere else and maybe it's multifamily. Maybe, yeah. Just didn't want A to lot of driveways. It. Okay, we'll go. Yeah. Okay, now headed west on Main from some from 162nd. So Tamora, what yeah. do you want people who aren't as familiar with East Portland to take away from our little tour here today? I think East Portland has been underinvested for a long time. And what I would say is we really need a city where everyone is able to have shared prosperity. And I, I don't think, I'm hanging right here. I don't think we can continue, continue to be on a path and a future where East Portland is just left behind in terms of investment and whether it's you know transit frequency or doing things to address poverty or investment in our neighborhoods and like one of the things I was talking about earlier was there's only one library in East Portland and oh, yeah Midland and it's it's been closed for a year for construction that's right and so like we don't have these like community spaces where people can gather and um, just work on community things such as like East Portland Action Plan. You have to have hubs for that stuff to occur. And I think that's some of the things we're lacking right now is like those community hubs and anchors. And the other thing I'll say too is with the city council election, my hope is that people are paying attention to who's not running in their district. Of Because whatever district you're in, you're only going to have three people representing you. Mm -hmm. And to do anything of importance, city council's gonna need seven votes. And so you can't vote for people in other districts, but you can, you can obviously support and donate them through the city matching fund. Mm -hmm. And so people can go to Row City Reform and really look at all the candidates that are running, yeah. look at their websites and things like that. Right. So that's my hope for the future, that like East Portland is very much considered and its needs are addressed and its people are seen and valued in the future growth of Portland. Here's a project I worked on. This is gonna be a hawk. Oh, wow, yeah, half okay. signal. This is the furthest I've seen it come along. It's, so the poles are up and stuff. And so. the, those hawk signals, that just means it's like the rapid flashing beacon, but yep. more deluxe, yep. more substantive. Yep, yep, Got yep, the yep. overhead mass instead yeah. of the... Um, 148th in Maine. Yep. And so great news for this street, I'll follow behind you. Okay. Is after years of advocacy, it is getting a bus line. There'll be a new bus on 148th. And that's gonna be followed by, I think a federally funded project for sidewalk infill, crosswalks and access to transit. And so this was a missing north-south piece in terms of transit. Cause you had 122nd and 162nd and the reason I would say transit is so key for corridors like this is 
ID4 is such a barrier because the only way to get across ID4 in like a true multimodal way is 102nd. Okay. And then everything from there east all the way to Gresham is just substandard. Or, or slash does not exist. Yeah. Wow, this is challenging right here. Really narrow. It's good though that this actually feels like a narrow bike lane because that means it's the other parts are getting better, you know? And you have something to compare it to. That's always my hope is that now when people come on a street like this, they're like, what's with that janky old bike lane on that one? That's just yeah. not as nice as the others, you know? We gotta, we gotta work on that one. Coming up on Southeast Stark and 148. All right, you see how this housing is contributing to a, a vibrant sidewalk? Yeah, look at that, yeah, it's huh? like, <laughs> this would have been dead. <laughs> there would have been no one out here before this housing. I like seeing stuff like this, you know? It just makes a big difference. Wow, look at this. I know, it's brand new. Beautiful, hundreds of units. 148th and Burnside. What's that up there? Is that a golf course? Glendevere. Oh, it's Glendevere, yeah. okay. Tomorrow was a really amazing tour. Saw all kinds of infrastructure and new things I hadn't seen yet, which is really fun. Yeah. What do you think's the next step for East Portland bike infrastructure now that they've got some bones of a, a sort of a network of some protected lanes here and there? What do you think we should be looking at in the next years to come? A few things. One is increasing bicycle proliferation in East Portland, so things like E-bike access, that means to me, expanding the boundary of a bike town is a big deal. In terms of infrastructure, the data says major intersections are the issue. And so it is expensive to do a protected intersection treatment, but I think in terms of value and bang for your buck, we really need to look at that because the crashes keep occurring at the same locations. And you say the protected intersection is like the one we saw at Division and, and 162nd. Yeah. And there's only a few of those. Now. Yeah, they got done through the Division Transit project. But that's exciting because now they have been done. Yes. We've done one, sky didn't fall. Hopefully there's some kind of analysis that'll show that they're working. Yeah. And then it's just a dollar amount and saying, let's get more. I'd love to see transit corridors. So BRT, whether that's BRT light, where yeah. we're just, we're being strategic about where the bus stop poles go and maybe some lighting and some like, let's grab the low hanging fruit of bus rapid transit on East Portland Arterials. That's, I think. Where, where there's space, where you yeah, can run it, where like you've Like where we don't necessarily have to ridership wait. ridership already. Yeah, like the 73 bus on 122nd, it's like constantly full all day. It's proven its success. And where can we plug in in the near term without necessarily having to wait for a federal grant that's 10 years away. I think Halsey's got that criteria. I think 122nd has that criteria. Stark definitely has that criteria. And so there's just, because of the lack of political representation, there hasn't been any urgency or accountability in East Portland. So that's something I'm excited to see. And doing everything we can to reduce cost of living. And so, you know, I was glad to see with Carmen Rubio, Commissioner Rubio put out the, the PCEF grants, things like bike lane sweeping and tree planting and small cap programs. I think those go a long way in terms of, not everyone may know this, is like transportation's the second biggest budget for families. And so it, the, to the extent we're able to reduce that burden, 
then that's going to have a huge impact. And then, and then the other thing I'll say too is, some of the transportation interventions are, and housing interventions are not going to be in East Portland. They're going to be in inner Portland in terms of stabilizing the housing market. Mm. And so Portland Neighbors Welcome, Inner East Side for All campaign, where they're seeking to increase density between Fremont, Powell, 12th, and 60th. If we're able to move forward on policy like that, it's going to reduce the displacement pressure that East Portland's facing. Uh, and you know, then more people are able to live in inner Portland and able to have those transit rich without having to put more pressure on East Portland. And so some of the things in that make a difference in terms of quality of life and transportation and housing uh, are not going to be in East Portland, but will have a positive impact on East Portland. That being said, I've seen definitely seen some more dense housing units yeah. been going up that we've been riding yeah. by today, even out here at 148th, 16th. Yeah. So that's been great to see. Central City Concern offered a candidate training so candidates could learn about their programs. What one takeaway I had from that is building housing is not enough. It's going to require both housing and services because as we're hopefully getting people off the streets, not everyone is able to live in a housing environment with no other support. And so having those support services I think is going to be critical, which you have a pharmacy and other services near transit, multi-story, and that has a huge impact. And then the other thing I'll say too is we have to do more to stabilize people where they're at in terms of we were able to get 6,000 chronically homeless people off the street, but in that same time, 5,000 people became housing insecure. And so if we're not looking at things like increasing the minimum wage and other supports, then we're not really stopping the bleeding. And so I met with the executive director of Path Home. They have a, a homeless shelter that is trauma-informed and, and has supportive services. The average age is nine. And so we see a lot of youth that are experiencing homelessness. And 75% of their clients are working. And so these are people who are working full-time jobs and yet are becoming housing insecure. And so, you know, I'm committed to doing everything I can in terms of pushing forward the policies that will prevent or, or further slow housing insecurity. Because the second someone's out on the street, all of a sudden we're spending a whole lot more money trying to address those needs and get people back into housing. So an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. Yeah, you mentioned some stuff that's shorter term that could be acted on and yeah. other, other bigger projects. So regardless, if you get in council, you've got a lot of work to yeah. do. I can't think of a better job where you are getting paid to affirmatively, proactively, in a positive way, shape your community. And so it's a huge opportunity. Just excited for the, that to be a reality. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for showing me around tomorrow. Thanks for riding. That was Portland City Council candidate for District 2, Tamor Ender. Thanks again for listening. Really appreciate all of your support. If you are not a paid subscriber of Bike Portland yet, please become one today at bikeportland.org support and find out how you can be a part of what we're doing here and pay a little bit in to keep it thriving and surviving. I also want to thank Brock Didis of Sprocket Podcast fame for our wonderful new theme music. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, we'll see you in the streets.